Well, 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 what an interesting 24 hours it's been since we last spoke. With the resignation of Green MP Gora's Garamin, there's plenty, of course, to chew through today. It's Wednesday the 17th of January. Kia ora. This is Newsable. I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. Former Green MP Gareth Hughes joins us to discuss the impact Gora's Garamin's resignation will have on the Green Party. And he also tells us about the abusive messages she receives on social media that he has personally seen. An expert also explains how mental health issues can lead to uncharacteristic behaviour. The Wellington region is officially under level 2 water restrictions and so we're meeting the woman who officially has the world's ugliest lawn because she doesn't water it. And there's no tennis open without them. We're talking grunting. We have all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Gora's Garaman's political demise is prompting questions about the intense scrutiny and pressure on the shoulders of New Zealand's MPs. Garaman quit as a Green MP after she was accused of shoplifting at both an Auckland and Wellington store, with staff obtaining CCTV footage of her appearing to discreetly take an item off a clothing rack and put it in a bag. She's now apologised and says she's taking full responsibility, while Greens co-leader James Shaw's added that Garaman faced a far more stressful time than most while working at the Beehive. Gowries herself has been subject to pretty much continuous threats of sexual violence, um, physical violence, death threats since the day she was elected to Parliament. And so that has added a, a higher level of stress than is experienced by most members of, of Parliament. And that has meant, for example, that there have been police investigations into those threats almost the entire time that she has been a Member of Parliament. And so obviously, if you're living with that level of threat in what is already uh, quite a stressful situation, then you know there are going to be consequences for that. So I have a lot of empathy for you know the fact that she has um, identified that you know she is in a state of extreme mental distress. So what does all this say about the Green Party and where to from here? Well, joining us to discuss that is former Green MP Gareth Hughes. Kia ora. Yeah, kia ora. Gareth, what do you make of the handling of this saga? Well, I mean, first up, it's a sad end to a political career. Uh, I worked with Goldwyn in Parliament myself. You know, I always found her a champion for causes of peace and democracy. Obviously, our first uh, refugee MP. So there's a lot of araha, uh, which is going out to, to Goldwyn as well. It'll be an incredibly tough time for her and the Green team as well. And I think it's fair to say this hasn't been a PR masterclass exercise in public relations by the Greens, but it's been a challenging situation. This is over Christmas, New Year's. Uh, Ms. Garriman was away overseas. All the facts weren't known. Parties were requesting privacy. So a very difficult set of circumstances. When you were in the caucus, Gareth, do you think that this would have been handled this way or have things gone awry of late? Oh, I wouldn't want to comment on uh, politicians who are on the stage, uh, us you know, on the sidelines commenting, but it's a, a really difficult circumstance where you want to get access to all the information before you make decisions. I think it is unfortunate how long this has been drawn out. Possibly would have been a lot easier for, for Ms Garriman and the Greens had she made a statement from overseas, ideally from the Greens' perspective politically, had of this been dealt with internally 
before it became the centre of a media circus over the last week, that would have been better. But however, I believe she has made the right call. She has drawn a line under it. She's apologised, taken responsibility. Uh, she's now getting the help that she needs. And the most important thing, I think, is, you know, is her well-being and welfare. So sometimes you've got to put politics to one side and look after the individuals. These are real people operating in an incredibly difficult, stressful, pressure cooker environment. I mean, you said it yourself, this it wasn't a PR masterclass. We sort of have had a series of Green Party bungles in terms of just, just the handling of situations. So Elizabeth Kedikedi, that texting incident, the way that that was handled ended up with accusations of unfairness thrown around. Then there was that attempted ousting of co-leader James Shaw when there wasn't any other viable candidate. Why Why haven't lessons been learnt in, in PR management? Oh, well, I think all political parties have had their hiccups and uh, mistakes and missteps, you know, over the last 12 months or indeed throughout history. I don't think the Greens are standout exemplars of of, of of that happening in our politics. But you're right, there have been a few missteps. And this is a party that really values its collegiality, its consensus building approach, a strong sense of natural justice. Sometimes doing the right thing by people and process isn't the smartest move politically, where sometimes ruthlessness and decisiveness are, are what PR professionals would be calling for. What this case also raises is the mental health pressures of politicians, particularly women of colour. How do we eradicate that? I mean, it's such a broad and hard to answer question, but obviously pressures like that have played a role here and will continue to play a role here until something changes. Yeah, and I think at this point, after so many high-profile examples, you can only describe it as systemic. We've got a cultural problem when it comes to uh, the way our politicians are treated. You know, I've seen the messages that Golra's received on social media platforms, and it would disgust you, it would horrify you. Uh, I wouldn't want those comments on my worst enemy, but that's what many female politicians, particularly of colour, get in this country. And it's a, a tragedy, a massive shame. How would you rate the start of this year for the Greens, Gareth? They've just come back off the back of the best election result ever. And then wham, bam, big scandal, handled badly. Well, it, it's not a good start to the year. We've seen New Zealand sign and show support for the bombing of Yemen. We see a vicious war in Gaza. We see extreme you know, weather events and climate change and natural degradation. People aren't swimming in their rivers this summer because they're too polluted. These are the things the Greens would have rather be talking about uh, over Christmas. What you can say, however, this has dragged on for a while. It could have had a different approach, but they have drawn a line under it. Former Green MP Gareth Hughes, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Remember, we're here to bring you the analysis and the details you need to make sense of stories like this one. And we do love to hear from you as well. Feedback, tip-offs, anything and everything. So please do get in touch if you've got something to say. Newsable at stuff.co.nz is our email address. Goris Garaman said in her resignation statement that her actions have been an extreme stress response linked to previously unrecognised trauma, according to a mental health practitioner that she has been seeing. So how can extreme stress lead to such behaviour? To explain more about these links, we're joined now by clinical psychologist Jackie Maguire. Thank you so much for being here. My, my pleasure, and just uh, upfront notice to those listeners, there's a seven-week-old baby strapped to my chest, so should she join us? 
us apologies. <laughs> she is very gorgeous and she's more than welcome to be here. Uh, Jackie, we're not going to discuss the personal situation with Gorez, uh, but this does seem to be something we do hear about from time to time. How does stress lead to shoplifting? Well, well, I think it's nuanced and complex, Imogen. You know, many people experience stress. Many people experience mental illness. That doesn't necessarily mean that they go out and, and act in a way that, that, that is consistent with shoplifting. Uh, however, there's also a difference between behavioural shoplifting and what we would call kleptomania, which is when people have an impulse to shoplift or they aren't able to manage their impulses. But I think you have to look at the whole picture. Yes, stress and being under the spotlight and being uh, in a very high-pressure role may mean that somebody is struggling. And if they've got a history of trauma or if they've got a, a difficulty managing uh, their impulses, then perhaps one manifestation of that could be shoplifting. But I think it's really important we don't make a causal link between mental illness and stress and shoplifting. Is it something that someone can have control over, or is it if it's if it if you start getting those impulses, that's game over? Well, I think it's the difference between behavioural shoplifting, where there's no emotional component to that, and the more kleptomania side, which is an emotional inability to manage to manage those impulses. And so, actually, it's really interesting, Imogen, in a 2019 study, that they actually categorised shoplifters into six clusters uh, when they looked at you know what drives that behaviour. The number one reason driving that behaviour was loss or trauma so someone with historic loss or trauma um, and then if you go down through the list then there's that lack of impulsive control, depression and, and that sadness and grief that can be linked to depression you know, may contribute to somebody shoplifting uh, those, those that do it in a hobbyist way in terms of there's not a mental illness component to that and then there are those that are in that kind of addictive compulsive, kind of like obsessive compulsive disorder but they're addicted to that high or the dopamine release when they shoplift. Lastly, only 7% of shoplifters were around the economically disadvantaged. So again, no, no sign to mental illness, but, but due to circumstance. Would your number one recommendation be for someone who might find themselves or recognise themselves in a position similar to this to be to speak to someone? Oh, I, I absolutely think so. If you're, if you're engaging in behaviour that is you know, putting yourself, your profession, your relationships, you're you know, at, at risk, nobody wants to be in that position. Nobody gets up in the morning and actively thinks, I'm going to put myself in a situation that will decimate my life. You know, no one, no one actively does that. And so I think if you're really struggling, if you're in a position where stress, spotlight, pressure, you know, it really is taking its toll, then get yourself support. And that can look, you know, like many different things. It may be a GP, it may be a therapist, it may be a pastor, it may be a family friend. You know, if you've got somebody who can provide really good emotional support and advice to you, that's a great place to start. Clinical psychologist Jackie Maguire, thank you so much for your time and thank you to your wonderful, gorgeous little bubba for joining us as well. Oh, she almost, she almost stayed silent. <laughs> the winner of the world's ugliest lawn is joining us next, complete with a quartet of bandicoots. Confused? Well, keep listening. And to make sure you're always listening, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode.
Wellington, the capital city of New Zealand and its surrounding areas, of course, can't forget the hut, is now formally under level two water restrictions, which means no unattended watering systems are allowed, like sprinklers on your lawn. The restrictions come after months of warnings and calls from Wellington Water for residents to conserve and limit their usage, as an estimated 45% of drinking water is lost down the drain to leaks, and other areas around the motu, of course, face similar restrictions with the dry weather conditions. It's an escalating problem, water shortage, but some are trying to make people aware of the problems with a wry smile. Originally starting in Sweden after a popular holiday hotspot came within hours of running out of water, the European country's competition to find the ugliest lawn in a bid to promote water saving has gone global. And Kathleen Murray, who lives in Tasmania across the ditch, is the proud winner of the first ever world's ugliest lawn. And I'm pleased to say, Kathleen, the gardener of this world's ugliest lawn is with us now. Kathleen, hello and welcome. Hello, it's so lovely to speak to you, Imogen, but I think the bandicoots are the gardener. Oh, this was going to be my first question. Did you intentionally create the world's ugliest lawn or was this a complete accident or did you have bandicoots helping you out? (laughs) Well, I actually live in the driest place in Tasmania. It's part of the South Arm District. It's in a rain shadow caused by Mount Wellington, which means it could be raining everywhere else, but it doesn't rain here. And that combined with incredibly sandy soil, as well as now I have four bandicoots living in my backyard, and and I've been told by, by reputable sources that they can move four tonnes of soil per year, just one bandicoot, and I have four. What's the water situation in the area that you live in? Yes, everyone in the South Arm District, we rely on tank water. So we have to wait for it to rain and then we collect water in our water tanks that way. But unfortunately, being the driest place in Tasmania, the last time we had a decent rainfall was early December and nothing has come close ever since. Wow. So you're not watering your lawn then with a sprinkler? No, I'd rather wash my children and flush my toilets. Oh my goodness, that was going to, was a, how do you conserve water, Kathleen? Well, my children got tired of me banging on the bathroom door and telling them to get out of the shower because they were bathing in our drinking water. So what they do now is they wait for their mother to fall asleep and then they have midnight showers. Oh my goodness. So when I'm here saying that, uh, you know, an area in New Zealand is not allowed sprinklers unattended anymore, are you a bit like rolling your eyes like we don't even know the half of it? Well, I suppose like I was forced to think about water conservation because it's not fun when you run out of water and you have to wait in summer for up to two weeks for a water truck to deliver it. And the last time that happened, I had just come home from hospital with a brand new baby and went into the house of gastro. Basically, Grandpa, who was mining them, gave everyone gastro and then I came home with a new baby and then we ran out of water. It was just awful. So um, that, that, that memory has been burned into my subconscious mind for eternity and now I am incredibly frugal with my water use. Kathleen Murray, the first winner of the world's ugliest lawn. Thank you so much for your time. Lovely to meet you. Thank you. 
Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a bit of a big old show, so we're going to end on something a little lighter, specifically this. Grunting. Tennis grunting. We've all heard it. And according to an article from the Sydney Morning Herald that you can also find on stuff.co.nz this morning as well, grunting is dividing the tennis world. The main reason, other than it being a bizarre noise to listen to when everything else around you is silent, is that people are asking or re-asking, rather, given this is not a new issue, but it is tennis tourney season in this part of the world, people are asking if grunting is a tactical weapon to distract your opponent and not just a strange and voluntary response to hitting a ball. Now, here's something I did not know. Grunting is governed and monitored under an international tennis federation rule. There is a rule that looks after grunting. It's the rule about hindrance. The rule about hindrance says if a player is hindered in playing the point by a deliberate act of the opponent, the player shall win the point. Novak Djokovic had a point docked for what's been described as an extended grunt at Wimbledon last year. When he was asked about uh, this, he says his grunts aren't normally extended, so perhaps it was just a grunt that echoed. Personally, I'm just pleased we're talking about this because the word grunt is very fun and satisfying to say. You don't normally get to say it in your day-to-day life. Let's play the grunts one more time, shall we? listen to them though I don't know if grunt is the right word I'll let you decide what word might be better I'm not going to say it but hey remember you can always get in touch what do you think of the old tennis grunt or tennis insert other word to describe that noise here email me your thoughts newsable at stuff.co.nz that is newsable for today I'm Imogen Wells I will catch you tomorrow Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz slash support. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. Don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child abuse no, numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. I think, there, I think, I think it would be a resignation offence. 
if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing if in there, that sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.